Thanks, Pastor. You are so gracious. I'm honored to be here tonight. I really sense the presence of God in here tonight. This might be the singingest church I've ever been in in my life. You people are some singing Baptists, and it blesses my heart. And you got a singing preacher, and I'm a preacher that likes to sing. I don't sing as good as you, but we've got a Jesus who's worthy. Amen? How about Pastor Bartholomew Orr? Can we give it up for Pastor Bartholomew Orr? Wow. Wow. He has set the bar high. He said so much in less than a half hour, the pressure's on me. So pray for me tonight as I share. I want to say this before I begin. I am surprised I'm here tonight not being a Nashville community resident, when I woke up yesterday and heard the national news, I became immediately aware that this community and the communities around this area are in a bit of crisis, and our hearts go out to you. When I saw pictures on the news and not being fully aware of where Lebanon, Tennessee was compared to the other communities, I thought, I bet they'll cancel. But then I heard from your pastor and I heard from your staff, and they said, no church is on, and I thought, wow. And then one of them said to me, we really sense God's going to do something special. And in the midst of this storm, we think he's going to speak. We need him to. We need him to. So God bless you for being missionaries and for being servants in your community. This morning while I was on my way here, I got a message from our church, First Baptist Church Woodstock, which just just north of Atlanta, and I learned that we have a disaster relief team from our church that is going to be boots on the ground in this area on Sunday. So some of the people that I love more than anybody in the world, they'll be here ministering in this community very, very soon. So isn't it great for the body of Christ to support each other and to be teammates and not competitors, but people who are reaching for the same goal and serving the same Jesus? And then lastly, before I jump into this tonight, would you please pray for me? I'm a 38-year-old guy, and more than anything, I love my wife and my kids. My wife and my children mean the world to me, and anytime I'm away, I miss them. I make a commitment to, other than Sundays and Wednesdays, only be gone one night during the week, because at least four out of seven nights, I'm going to be there to tuck my kids in and to speak a word of prayer over them and to read the Bible to them. And this is one of those nights where I'm here, I really sense when... I was made aware of this several months ago that God was in it for me to be here, but my wife literally texted me when I was leaving the hotel a little bit while ago, and she said, your son, my youngest, who's six, his name is Abraham, we call him Abe, he has an awful ear infection. I thought, ah, you know how it is when your kids are sick and your wife's pulling double duty, she's the real hero of my heart and our home, and then to have a boy with an ear infection, then she called me on the way to the doctor, and he was screaming his head off, daddy, daddy, my ear hurts so bad, and I thought, ah, to be honest with you, my heart just is sensitive to his need as my wife tends to him. Have you ever had a bad ear infection? It's awful. It's awful. And you are praying for the rapture of Christ if you've got an ear infection. <laughs> or you're praying for it if your husband's gone and you're tending to the one that's got it. So, I got needs. You got needs. And only Jesus can meet our needs. Would you just stand up and say this with me? We pray this every Sunday at First Baptist Woodstock. This will be the only time I ask you to stand unless the Spirit of God makes you stand. We pray this out loud every Sunday at Psalm 119, 18, and it's the moment of conscious awareness where we realize our attention should be drawn to the Spirit of God because we can't be who we need to be if Jesus doesn't help us. And so we pray this out loud. I'll say a line, and you say it after me, and it's Psalm 119, 18. Say, open my eyes. 
that I might receive wonderful words from your law. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. I want to talk to you tonight on this subject from Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Put another way, let us honor his name. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Let us honor his name. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Hear this word from the Lord. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we are grateful to be in your house in the middle of the week. And we are in a community that is hurting We have neighbors and friends and work associates that have lost much. We are in a country that is hurting. We are in a world that is fractured. And tonight we want to call on the holy, sweet, precious, blessed, healing, saving, powerful, glorious name of Jesus to intervene in our situation. We can't fix our mess by ourselves. We're having revival or Bible conference this week because this is true. What we are in is a mess and we can't get out without your touch. So may you, Jesus Christ, the King of eternity, be exalted in what's said, be praised in what's pondered, And when we leave here in just a little while, may we be honestly able to say, it's been good to be in God's house. I've heard from him, and I know what I must do because of the encounter with Jesus that I personally had. Help us to love you more as a result of these few days together, and help us to know because of these few days in your house around your word how much you love us. You know where we are. You have a good plan. And what we're going through isn't too difficult for you. So whether it's an ear infection, whether it's a divorce, whether it's loneliness or depression, whether it's addiction, whether it's an inability to find work, Whether it's a teenager or an old person, our needs are the same. Oh, God, we need your touch. Some trust in horses, some in chariots. But tonight, we want to trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. One of the first and most important things a parent does is give or his or her child, a name. A name means something. 
A name tells or describes the individual's identity. A name for the rest of their life will be associated with that child's personhood, their character. You know this, but simply put, a name is how we are known. We are all known by our name. Eleven years ago, when my oldest son was born, Carrie and I chose to name him Ezekiel, which means God is strong. We had endured five years of infertility. We had had a failed adoption. My wife had recently been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. It was the lowest time of our life until God heard our prayer and he blessed us with a little boy we call Zeke. We named him Ezekiel because God is strong. When my second child was born, our little girl, Mady, my wife said, I have a family name that I've always dreamt of using if we ever have a girl. Her name is Mady. So when we had a little girl, my wife's in charge. Yes, her name is Mady. And then we had a little boy six years ago when we moved from South Georgia to North Georgia, and we named him Abraham. He was the child of our move in the midst of change in our family. God called us from this city to this city, and in honor of the biblical hero Abraham, we have a son named Abe. The Bible speaks often about the importance of God's sacred name. Psalm 8.1 says, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout all the earth. Psalm 29.2, ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. They run to his name. Matthew 6, 9, and Luke 11, 1, when Jesus was asked how to pray and speak to the Father in heartfelt communication, Jesus said, address my Father like this, hallowed be your name. Acts 4, 12, when Peter was preaching the gospel in the early church, he said, there is salvation in no one else, for there is what? One name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. The name Jesus. Romans 10, 13, the great theological treatise that sketches the story of our salvation from beginning to end. Whosoever calls on what? The name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on his name. Philippians 2.10, so at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess in heaven, under heaven, on earth, under the earth. Every tongue will confess this name, Jesus Christ is the Lord. There are many names given to God in the Bible. We could talk the rest of this conference about the names of God. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the name Elohim. It means he is powerful creator, Elohim. In Genesis 14-10, the Bible said, Blessed be the God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. It's the name Elion, which means he is God most high. He is God over our enemy. 
Genesis 15, 2, but Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Lord God, seeing I have no children. And he referred to the Lord as Adonai, Lord of my situation. That's his name. Genesis 22, 14, Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. He is God, our provider. It literally means this is his name. Genesis 15, 26, I will put no disease on you, for I am the Lord, your healer. It's the word Rapha. It means name. He is God who heals us. That's his name. We could go on and on. There's Nisi, the Lord is my banner. There's Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. There's Shalom, the Lord is my peace. There's Roy, the Lord is my shepherd. There's Shema, he is the Lord who is present. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's his name. The dearest, the best, the most precious songs in the Christian faith are founded upon the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but what? But wholly lean on Jesus. What? Name! All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diet. Crown him, Lord, his name. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, blessed be the name of the Lord, the glories of my God and King. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then it goes like, blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> These are the ones that my kids like to sing. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Even now, I can hear my daughter singing this from her room. Your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you, my Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ my king. The ancient rabbis knew the power of his name. Orthodox Jews, the historians tell us, would not even speak, get this, or write the name of God for fear of not addressing it completely correct. They were afraid to even pronounce the name of God in speech. 
One writer I read said this, when the scribes were making copies of the Holy Scripture, in other words, what you were holding in your hands that we call the Old Testament, when the scribes historically were making these copies, this is how the people of God revered the Word of God. When they came to the name of God, they would put their pen down, rise, go and bathe themselves, and put on different clothes. Then they would come back with a pen that has never been used. And with the brand new pen, they would write down the holy name of God. That's what this name represents historically to the people of God. This is a name that is not like every other name. In Isaiah 6, when this would-be prophet sees the vision of God's holy presence in the heavens... God peels back the curtain and lets him see the train of his robe filling the temple. And the cherubim and the seraphim, what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy is his name. Holy, holy. Jeremy, what are you saying to us tonight? Here's the lesson. What an awful thought that someone would drag the name of God down into the mud. What a tragic thought that the holy, saving, healing name of Jesus could be used in any form but praise or prayer. And what a tragedy when God's people who reportedly wear his name are flippant, casual, irreverent, or even profane in the way we announce his name. In Genesis 11:4, as if things weren't bad with Noah, they really started to spiral out of control at the Tower of Babel. There's a statement there that is the opposite of what we read in Exodus 20, where those people foolishly turn their backs on the name of God and they say this, we will make a name for ourselves. God, prior to this point, has been calling them his people. He will provide. He will lead. He will be their shepherd. He will be their Lord. He is their creator. But they want to make a name for themselves. Moses, the one that wrote this story, which is the third of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, he knew the power of God's name. In Exodus 2, In Exodus 3, in Exodus 5, if my memory serves me correctly, when Moses was at the base of Mount Sinai as a shepherd, as one who's tending the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro long before he's the deliverer of Israel in Egypt, long before he's the famous prophet of God in private, as he's engaging with this burning bush. Who are you, burning bush? Moses Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. Who are you, Lord? I am the Lord God. This is my name. Two times God says, I am the Lord God. I want you to not just know me. I want you to know how to refer to me. I want my name to come into your mind, and I want your body, your emotions, your spirit, your cognizant thinking. I want it to be different when you hear my name. My name's not like every other 
name. Do not use the Lord's name in vain. Exodus 20, where we are tonight. I'll say this fast. Moses is now among all the Israelites who've been liberated from Egypt. Moses and Aaron are leading the people to worship this God who is speaking with a thundering voice from the top of Mount Sinai. There's smoke, there's fire, there's thunder from heaven, there's the sounds of trumpets, and these people are in awe. For three days, they've seen this powerful worship display happen at the base of Mount Sinai in the wilderness. The voice speaks from heaven, have no other gods before me. Make no idols. Have no graven images. And now this, do not take my name in vain. The word misuse or do not take in vain means to lift, to carry, to throw away, or to burn. It's the picture in the original Hebrew of someone lifting and taking something that doesn't belong to them and using it for their own purpose. Can you imagine if I came into your house and I said, that's going to be my TV. That's going to be my laptop computer. That's going to be my 12-gauge shotgun. That's going to be my high-end purse that your husband got you in New York for your anniversary. Can you imagine if I were to come in and take something that belongs to you and lift it and try to pass it off as mine? This is related to commandment 8 where he says, do not steal. But here in commandment 3, he says, don't use my name for your own agenda. My name is holy. Don't rush over his name. Don't deconstruct his name. Don't waste his name. Don't be useless with his name. Don't be flippant with his name. Don't hijack God's name. Let's be honest about our failure. Listen to worship God's name. Tonight, I join you in desiring to repent of all misuse of the holy name of God. How worthy and how holy is the name of God? All through the scriptures and all through church history, this is what we know. Heaven and earth adore his name. So how thoughtless so much of what proceeds from my mouth with the name of God attached to it. How important is not misusing the Lord's name? Get this. Would a Ten Commandments address murder? Is that a big deal? Adultery, is that kind of a big deal? Stealing, lying, coveting, are these a big deal? But even before God addresses that, he says, watch how you use my name. This is haunting, and it's in the Bible, and you can't make this up. And every time I think of this, I shudder, Pastor Bartholomew, I shudder. Matthew 12, 36, listen to this. On the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that's spoken from their mouth. Matthew 12, 36. Oh, Wow. Every careless word that comes from my mouth. Do my words exalt Christ? Do my words encourage the people of God? Are my words a testimony to lost people? If they're not, maybe I should never speak them. 
If we really believed Matthew 12, 36, which is in the Bible and comes from the mouth of Jesus, that every word that proceeds from our mouth, one day we will stand before God and give an account for it. If we really believed that, this world would be a whole lot quieter. I wouldn't say a fraction of what I say, type, text, write, speak, Instagram, tweet, Facebook. If I believed that what comes from my mouth is a reflection of the name that made me, I would live differently. And people would see his name instead of being wrapped up in my name. Let us be careful when we claim to speak for God or about God. Let's not attach God's name to an idea we have to try to give ourselves a little credibility. Be careful when we do this, church. Well, God told me. Well, God put on my heart. Well, you know, I was praying and the Lord told me. Whoa. God that created everything and says in commandment three, don't even think about using his name incorrectly and you're just going to throw it out here in Sunday school like God put it on your heart one Tuesday morning. Be careful anytime we connect our human plans to divine authority. I'm not saying we can't address God, but when we address God, let us do so with humility and reverence. What does his word say? Are we speaking in fear of the Lord? Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What do the godliest people I know say? What do godly people say about how I talk? I know this is personal, and man, I, I really am not trying to come at anybody, but let me tell you what God's been doing in my life as I process this over the last few months. I have a deal with my wife and my daughter. Anytime they hear me use the name of God flippantly, I got to pay them. I got to give them cash. True story. Matthew 6, 5, and 7. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites hypocrites who babble like the Gentiles. This is Jesus teaching us how to pray and use his name. Showy prayers. You ever heard showy prayers? And oh, Jesus, Father God, and oh, Father God, and I just want to say Father God, and Jesus rose a share, and I just want to thank, thank you on the third part. Sloppy prayers. Repetitive prayers. How about this one? Repetitive prayers. And I, some of us have been saying the same daggum blessing before a meal for the last 40 years. You ain't mixed it up, changed it up, thought, and Father, we pray that you bless us by the nourishment of our view and us to thy service. In Jesus' name, amen. You finna eat fried chicken and cheesecake and fried okra and a gallon of sweet tea. Bless this to the nourishment of our body. You a lie? There ain't nothing nourishment about it. There ain't nothing nourishment about it. And us to thy service. You're going to eat it and take a nap. And you're talking about us to thy service. Jesus said, when you pray, don't use my name like that. A better way to pray, God, we eating fried chicken and cheesecake, and we're going to drink it with Coke and sweet. Forgive us now, Lord Jesus. We know it's a cheap meal. Help us, God. That's an, that's an honest prayer. That's an honest prayer. That's an honest prayer. What about our singing? All to Jesus I surrender. Really? All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. And really? Everything to Jesus you surrender. Did you hear his name? 
Let's be careful not to be tried or silly or unconcerned with God's name. At the risk of you thinking I'm a legalist and you might. I'm saying this with caution. My parents were always super careful about this. Admittedly, this was largely how I was raised. And I'm grateful for my parents' conservative caution. But how about this, if I could say it? Oh, gosh. Golly. Oh, geez. What do those mean? Where's it come from? Oh, man, Jesus Christ. Golly. How quickly and how habitually and how casually we rattle it off. We text, OMG, OMG. This name? This name? We've either never been taught We don't know how holy he is. Or worse, we do know and we don't care. I was at a meeting a couple of months ago. And I knew I was going to be preaching this. (laughs) My own ignorance. And I was trying to make a joke in a meeting with some guys. One of them was from Coca-Cola. He's a chaplain for Coca-Cola. And he was talking about how they may want to partner with us to do missions. (laughs) Coca-Cola? They got the correct change, if you know what I mean. Coca-Cola. Yeah, we may want to do some joint. I'm like, and he said, you know, Coke's international, and so if we can use each other's platform. And this is what I said, trying to impress a chaplain from Coke. I said, oh, man, yeah. Yeah, man, I hear you. Coke's like the Holy Spirit. Man, it's everywhere. I said it out loud just like that. And I walked out of that meeting, and the Spirit of God jumped on me. The Holy Spirit's like Coke. And, and that's funny to you, Jeremy? And I called that guy back, and I said, hey, man, I just need to tell you that, that joke I made. And he said, Joe, what joke? He didn't even think it was funny. What, what joke did you make? And I said, man, I said, Coke is like the Holy Spirit. It was one of the most awkward apologies in the history of earth. I said, I'm a preacher, and I, I love Jesus, and I want to be reverent about his name. His name means something. And, I, and I, I have all respect for your product. And I'm sorry. I said, Coke is like the Holy Spirit, and I, I'm sorry. And he said, oh, okay, bro, <laughs> no problem. And I, I said, I just needed to tell you that. How profane, how crude, how inappropriate a lot of our language. Oh, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking. Oh, preacher, just relax. Just relax. I mean, I only cuss a little bit. I mean, I only, you know, maybe every now and then slip up. Okay, I get it. You only cuss a little. I get it. We're all sinners. What if I said this? You know, I only commit a little adultery. I mean, like, I only murder a couple times a year. You know what I mean? I only murder a couple times a year. I mean, I only steal, like, on weekends. <laughs> Is a little bit of sin okay? They're saying, oh, geez, I, I, I don't mean, that's not what I mean. What if we said, oh, oh John-ish, oh, John-ish, or oh, oh Jeremy-ish, <laughs> oh, Bartholomew-ish. What? We either don't know. We don't have fear of his name. Or we do know, we don't care. How terrible 
for someone to use the name of God to condemn someone to hell or to speak of destruction. I mean this respectfully and with reverence, but when we say, damn. You know, damn actually means damnation. Is damnation funny? Is someone dying and going to hell, is that really what we want as the people of God? I'll go to hell. Some of them go to hell. They can just go to hell. Go, go, go to hell. To say it trite. Or to be watching TV with our kids and these words are coming across the TV and we, we don't even flinch. <laughs> we have no concept of this name and eternity and to speak in such a heartless way. Spurgeon said, if, if, if we're going to condemn somebody to hell, may, may they go into hell with our arms wrapped around their ankles, begging them to consider the mercy and the salvation of Christ. We laugh at jokes and film and Netflix and movies that just GD this, GD this. and We think it's okay. and We wonder why we don't have revival and the power of God in our life. He says, anyone who uses my name like this will not go unpunished. Sometimes I wonder, Bartholomew, if God's punishment on my life is that I no longer am under the favor of his fellowship. The punishment may not be something bad. It may just be God choosing to withdraw his intimate fellowship. When I was a kid in the 80s in Warner Robins, Georgia, just to tell you where I'm from, um, my pastor, Rastus Salter, who's now with the Lord, he'd get up and he'd say, and don't you be watching HBO. And he'd say, HBO stands for Hell's Box Office. <laughs> and he'd, he'd say, I know about you saying he had something for MTV and Cinemax. And it's sin to the max for you people. And we'd all, ha, 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 Maybe Brother Rastus was really more right. Uh, Ephesians 4.29, and I close with this. Let no foul language come from your mouth. Only what is good for the building up of someone in need. Give grace to those who hear your words. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer another person. We're either ignorant. <laughs> when we use God's name like this, we don't have any self-control. Or mean as a snake. <laughs> We just don't have respect for the name. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful, wonderful command that is intended to be a blessing to all of us this commandment is what it means to be a follower of God. Let's honor his name. Why should I honor his name? Why? Why? Because of how the Bible ends. Revelation 19, 13, and 16 gives us this scene of eternity, the last scene in the Revelation. And listen to what the Bible says about all the nations and tribes and tongues. There he wore a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And he has a name written on the robe and on his thigh. And this shall be his name for all of eternity. King of kings, Lord of lords. 
The way the Bible closes is by giving us this picture of every nation and tribe and tongue forever orbiting the glory of his name. So practice on earth for what heaven will be like. Gloriously exalting his name. When Moses was getting this message from Exodus 20 and he said, Lord, if I go and write this, what will I tell them about who you are? When, when I tell them who you are and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say? And God says to Moses, you tell them I am who I am. I am the great I am. That is my name. Hallelujah, holy, holy, God almighty, the great I am, who is worthy, none beside thee, God almighty, the great I am. The mountains shake before you, the demons run in fear, at the mention of your name, King of Majesty, there is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am. The great I am. That's his name. Know his name. Love his name. Minister in his name. I don't know if y'all know this. This is kind of old school where I'm from, but I thought about it on the way over here. What an appropriate way for us to close this night. Do you know this one? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. You know it, don't you? I hear you. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let this be your prayer tonight. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Boy, this is good. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Amen. Amen. Can we, can we bow our heads together just for a moment of prayer, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Pastor. If you need to be saved tonight, this is what you'll pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe your name saves. And right now, Lord Jesus, you pray this from your chair, you pray this with your heart, you pray this from where you sit. The best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. 
I ask you to come into my life. I believe you died on the cross on my behalf. I believe, as Pastor Bartholomew reminded us, you were raised on the third day and that you are a living God. And right now, Lord Jesus, I trust in your name. I commit my life to you. If you prayed that, I sure hope you'll come tell one of these altar counselors or pastors or encouragers. Or maybe you want to just come and kneel at the altar and say, Oh God, this week I want to know your name. During Bible conference, I want my wife to know your name. I want my children to know your name. I want my, my grandchildren. I want my, I want my friends at school. I want my classmates to know your name. I want my neighbors to know your name. I want the people around me that don't know Jesus. I want them to know your name. There's something different about the name Jesus. Do you know his name? Are you sharing his name? Oh, God, as we prepare to close this service, may the name be lifted up, and may you have all power and control of what's said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.